Good morning. Um, it is a blessing, it's an honor, and it's a privilege to be able to worship together with one another this morning, and especially a honor, a blessing, and privilege, and responsibility to preach and teach uh, this morning. And I'll echo just what Cody said earlier this morning, if there is anything that you do find, especially uh, within the sermon and, and within the lesson this morning that is concerning, and we have questions about, you would be doing me a service and for sure would not be the first person to call me out on something, and most likely probably not the last. And so I, I would appreciate if there's anything this morning that you have questions about. Um, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles open to Romans chapter 4, that is pretty much where we will be staying the majority of this morning. In uh, Romans chapter 4. Uh, but as means of, of, of an introduction, um, think to a time, or, or maybe you might be in this time right now, um, where you may be suffering a trial, maybe suffering in general, struggling. There may be something big that is coming up that uh, you're anxious or nervous about, um, or just any sort of situation which may lead you to think, I need to have faith right now. I need to have faith. I need to trust in God. And the, the, there's a good reaction to have. That's a good thought to have. But then my question is, is, is in times when, when um, I'm in those situations, or you may think to yourself, so I need to have faith, but then you may wonder, what is faith at all? What is faith even? What, is, what does that mean when we say we need to have faith? Or what is this concept that we talk about? And so you might jump over to Hebrews chapter 11 and, and verse 1 where we get a, a pretty solid definition of faith where it says, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Um, if you were anything like me the first time I read that, I went like, what? I, I, don't, I don't really <laughs> understand what the, what the Hebrew writer is saying there the first time I read that. Um, and I, you think about faith in general is, I think it really is kind of an abstract uh, concept when we think about it. And I believe that's why the New Testament, not only the New Testament, but also the Bible in general gives us so many different examples of what faith looks like when people actually live it out. And I think that's really even the writer's New Testament, that's really how they teach us what faith really looks like is by bringing examples that are well known and well understood to see, well, this is actually what God defines as faith. And this is what it looks like for someone, an individual, to have faith and see the different situations they find themselves in and how they act in them because of their faith. Um, so one of my favorite passages in general and of all time is uh, Romans chapter 4, and specifically Romans chapter 4 and starting in verse 16 to 25, we're going to look at and we're going to examine the example of Abraham's faith and what the Roman writer here, Paul, has to say. And hopefully this morning we can learn some lessons and be encouraged and inspired by the example of Abraham's faith this morning. So I just hope that is encouraging that you bear with this word of encouragement exhortation this morning. So we'll start with uh, reading uh, the passage here. So let's start in Romans chapter 4, and let's start reading in verse 16. For this reason is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you, and the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. And hope against hope he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which, he had been, which had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in belief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. 
Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited, as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. All right, so the first point here this morning, uh, I don't have a PowerPoint, so this is all you'll be seeing this morning, but the first point this morning um, is God's character inspired Abraham's faith. God's character inspired Abraham's faith. Um, so when we look at verse 17 here, this quotation that's coming where it says, as it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. Um, that's where in Genesis chapter 17 in verse 5, that's where that's being pulled from. That's even where uh, Abraham's name is changed from Abram to Abraham. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Um, and so while that, that's an awesome, that's a great, that's an amazing promise but in verse 19, we see that Abraham understood and considered his own body, which is about as good as dead, and Sarah's womb, which is about as good as dead. So the thing is, like, so he hears, he understands, he knows there's this promise that God is making that he is going to be the father of many nations. And while that's really a, a kind of foretelling a prophecy about being about faith and that those would be descendants of his through faith, it's also a physical promise that he would have children. There would be a physical nation. We know that as the nation of Israel. Um, so while that's awesome, that's amazing, uh, they're not able to have children, at least of, of their own accord. He says, you know, they're about as good as dead. They're old. There's no way children are, are coming through them uh, by their own inspiration, their own ability that's there. But when you look back at verse 17, Abraham knew something about God and a very, very important uh, detail, a couple of details about God here. Um, so the first thing here is that he knew that God could give life to the dead. Um, he understood that li life could come from God even when there was no life at all, previously existing. And we see that in verse 19 because he considers his own body and Sarah's womb good as dead. Yet, while they're dead, he understands God can speak life into things. So he understands that. He knows that. Um, another thing as well is that God also, in verse 17, calls into being those things which do not exist. Um, so think about, if you want to actually flip over to Genesis chapter 17 real quick, we're just going to look at verse 5, um, so if you don't want to, you can follow along, but Genesis chapter 17, um, and looking at verse 5, again, that's where he says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, uh, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you uh, the father of a multitude of nations. Look where, where, where God says, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Uh, he's talking the present tense there. And then when this is happening, has, has Isaac come along yet? Isaac's not here yet. Yet God's already speaking the present tense as if God has already done this. And I think what that taught Abraham, what Abraham took from that, understood that about God, is that when God says something is going to happen, it might as well have already happened, because it will happen. There is nothing that is going to object to that. There's nothing that is going to overcome that. There's nothing that is going to overrule that. God can speak things that don't exist, that are not presently happening or being, and when he says them and he speaks them, they will come into existence. You think about that's actually how we're introduced to God in the beginning of uh, Genesis. That's, that's the first introduction to who God is at all that we get in the Bible is God, when he speaks, things happen immediately. Uh, so Abraham knew that about God's character. That was a, that was a very uh, important and intimate detail that uh, Abraham knew, and that's one of the things that inspired Abraham's faith. So he knew things about God. He was inspired by God's character. So that's the first point. Um, so the second point here is, and what a lot of Romans chapter 4 uh, does a lot of, and this will probably be where we spend the most of our time, 
is the point that of, of just really seeing and understanding the quality of Abraham's faith. And so one thing while we, while we go through this point and point out some things and read some things here, one thing to keep in mind, this is not just uh, to sit here and to say, wow, Abraham's faith, he's so amazing, so awesome, so encouraging. Really what this is, this is a picture of what our faith really should look like. This is, this is an example for what, when we say we have faith in God, when we see examples of people saying, well, these individuals have had faith in God, uh, this is the quality of what is being spoken about that's here. Um, and so the really interesting thing that's here is that Abraham's faith, uh, we really see really important attributes and aspects of his faith seen uh, when he's pushed and when he's tested. And, and especially here, um, when he's receiving these promises from God, he's being told he's going to have a son. There's all these promises about a nation coming from him, and yet he, he, you know, he's, he's old. <laughs> How's that ever going to possibly happen? Yet we see examples of, of Abraham believing despite how impossible this promise seems. Um, and so one of the things we need to learn and understand when people of faith, and we see that through Abraham's example, but when people of faith are pushed, when they are prodded, when they are poked, when they are put in difficult situations, the only thing that comes out of that is good. Uh, you think about a cloth, you know, you soak it up with water, when you wring it out, what comes? It, it, it's water that comes out. Uh, that's the same thing about those who truthfully have, indeed, the, the faith that, that Abraham had, the faith that God inspires, is when you push them, only good things come out. Only encouraging things come out of that. So that's an example that we see here with Abraham. Um, so let's just notice and point out a couple things about the quality of his faith, which really speaks to the quality of what our faith should be. Um, so a good place to start is verse 18. Um, probably one of my favorite verses of all time, and I think it's just it's amazing, but it can be sometimes hard to understand. Um, so here in verse 18, um, And hope against hope he believed, so that he might become a father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken. Um, so that phrase, hope against hope, um, I know there's probably a couple of different ways you could possibly think about it. The way at least um, I think about it, and the way that uh, I've been really encouraged by hearing about other brethren interpreting that, is at least that you think about beyond all human reasoning, beyond all human logic, beyond even the greatest hopes that mankind could possibly ever possess, the hope that Abraham had in the, in the promises of God was far greater than that. The, the intensity uh, the zeal, the excitement, the, the, the power and the ability that we see sometimes people have in things they believe in. I think what it's saying here is Abraham's hope and trust in the promises of God was greater against, than that. Um, and I think also as well, the fact that Abraham believed in something that was really pretty much quite impossible, at least as we've seen in time. God, God had never done anything quite like that. Abraham hadn't even seen anybody raised from the dead before. So I struggle to understand where Abraham was learning these things about God from the get-go in the beginning. But... Um, the fact that Abraham pushed through all of all the all the things I could say, ah, this isn't going to happen. All the other people, the nature. Even you know, we think about Sarah. Sarah had a hard time believing it herself. She laughed, and God called her out, and she's like, "No, nah, God, I didn't laugh." But Sarah had a hard time believing it herself, and yet, despite all of those possible detractors, Abraham still believed in this promise, and that's what led him to be the father of a nation and of many nations, as we've seen the promise. Um, so, just the intensity and the quality of Abraham's faith there. Um, some other things that the passage here also points out about Abraham's faith. If you look in verse 19 as well, it says there, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So again, we already talked about that before. So he, he thinks about his own body. He thinks about how dead his own body is, how this is, is a really hard, difficult thing for God to do here. And that doesn't cause him to grow weak in faith as well. So you think, uh, when the going gets tough and Abraham is pushed up against a, a difficult, pretty much an impossible situation, his faith does not yield to that. Um, and in fact, we see in verse 20 
Uh, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith. So we see quite the opposite. I, Abraham actually grows stronger in faith because of the situation that's here. Um, another thing that we just read there at the beginning of verse 20, where he says, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. Um, I think that's a really important thing. I think sometimes um, in difficult situations, uh, I'm sure, sure uh, some of us have maybe been guilty of this. Maybe we've seen others who've been guilty of it. Um, there's times in life when, when people go through hard and difficult circumstances um, and, they, and they don't hold fast to their faith. They don't believe uh, certain things start going. They, they don't show up maybe quite as much. Maybe when they come, they're not quite as encouraged by the words that's there. There's certain things that begin to, to fall off and falter that's there uh, when people don't have that sort of integrity of faith that we're talking about here. And I think it's amazing that Abraham, in, again, to think about it, he's he's an old man too. He is not a young guy. Uh, he's been probably mo- older than all of us who are here. Uh, he was an old guy, and yet... In spite of this impossible promise that God is claiming he's going to do by bringing this child to him, uh, when he says he did not waver in unbelief, that means Abraham acted. Abraham did what was good and what was right and necessary for this promise to be fulfilled and happened. Uh, so what that means, and we're all adults here, he had, he had to perform with Sarah. They had, they had to do that in order for the child to come. So he believed you know, it was going to happen, and yet, so he didn't waver. He still acted and did what was necessary because of faith and in faith. And I think that's amazing because I know there's temptation sometimes uh, to, you know, kind of reserve yourself and hold back and fall back. Yet Abraham pushed forward in faith and because of that. Um, another really important thing as well is Abraham had longevity of faith as well. There's some uh, something really cool and really interesting here. If you remember verse 17, we're talking about these things that, Abraham knew about God, um, one of the things we mentioned was that Abraham knew that God could give life to the dead. And so we actually see, as we see Abraham receiving these promises from God and going through his life, we see him not hold fast to those things as well. Um, Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. So in regard to himself, Abraham believed that life could be brought to him, although he was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was as good as dead. But Hebrews 11 also uh, points out something really interesting to us. Um, about this belief that he has about God's ability to bring life to things that are dead. Um, so Hebrews chapter 11, we'll start reading in verse 17, in just a few verses here. Uh, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. So to me, I think that's really cool. It's really neat. He, when, in relation to himself, he believed, well, God can bring life to, to me. I'm dead. Sarah's dead. He can bring life to us. When it came to Isaac, he also believed, well, God could bring life to Isaac even if I go through with this sacrifice and I actually end up killing him. God can bring him back to the, from the dead and so he could fulfill this promise. And so the amazing thing is we don't see Abraham believing one thing here and then another time um, believing something different. We, we do have two circumstances where he did not believe in God and he lied twice. We have that. But when we think about the general growth of Abraham's faith, from the beginning to end, he's consistent. It's the same beliefs. He holds fast to the same things. And so I think that's another characteristic of Abraham. His, his faith had life to it, had longevity to it. He continued to believe in God through different difficult and different circumstances that were here uh, because of the promises that God had given to him. Um, so the third point this morning, 
Uh, we've considered that Abraham's faith was inspired by the character of God. We've looked at some qualities of Abraham's faith, how he held fast to these promises of God, despite the impossibility of these promises, and believed God that he was able to do it, even though it seemed humanly impossible. And indeed, it truthfully was hum- uh, humanly impossible. Um, so the third thing here is, is you may be asking yourself, and, and uh, I ask myself this as well, it's like, so how did, how did Abraham do this? Are there aspects or qualities or things that are pointed out here in this passage about why Abraham or some things that led Abraham to being able to have this sort of faith that is here. Um, so there's one really interesting thing um, to see in uh, Romans chapter 4. I think there's a, a bunch of points and we're going to have some application that we'll talk about in a few moments here after we uh, get through just pointing out some things in the text. Uh, but if you look at verse 20, it says... Um, Yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. So I think that's one of the things that led Abraham to be able to have this sort of quality of faith and believe in God, despite the impossibility of this promise of having a son in in his old age. One of the things is he gave glory to God. And so what does that mean? I think um, at least the way that that I I understand and I see in this passage is that Abraham understood God's power. And what that means is he acknowledged God's greatness and understanding who God was, his ability, and his power that led him to be able to understand that some way, somehow, God is able to fulfill these things that are here. Um, and so when you think about it, um, think about the, the difficult situation you're in. Think about maybe a possible difficult situation you could be in, things you're struggling with, things you're suffering with right now, things you're nervous about coming up in the future. Um, and take a step back from that and just think to um, pick, pick one place, one passage within Scripture where... God's power is really understood and revealed. Think about creation. You can think about, uh, we were talking about miracles yesterday at the thing. You think about the Mount Carmel victory that is there. Someone mentioned the flood that is there. All these different things and events that reveals how much power and ability God has to do things and complete things. And a lot of times we see, you know, it says destroy things and, and wipe out things. Um, so think about that. Consider that. Consider different situations, maybe within scripture and passages where it seemed uh, something similar to this, you know, really hard, difficult things to think about times in the children of Israel's um, when they were the children of Israel and they were God's nation about times where it seemed like, well, they were about to come to an end, either, either because of their own unfaithfulness or another nation had come against them and was ready to destroy them. And just think about how God so cleverly and in wisdom was able to navigate that circumstance and reveal his own power and his glory and show that he had all ability and power. Um, so think about a situation that's like that and then bring yourself back uh, to this hard situation, this, these things that you're struggling with, these things that you're suffering, these, these things you're an- anxious about, and you consider God's power and ability in those events, and you think about your situation. To me, what that does, that makes my situation seem a lot smaller. It seems my problems and my issues, or my I'm trying to have faith in this hard si- situation, yet it's really hard and difficult. Uh, it makes it seem a lot smaller when I consider the God in whom which I serve, and to also be humbled by it, who also serves me and serves us. And that's that same God who's helping me now with this situation I find myself in, these things that I'm struggling with, the things that we are struggling with. I think that's what really, I think that's the way Abraham thought, and I think that was how he was able to be helped in these situations, to really truthfully believe God was able to do these things. He understood who God was. He gave glory to God. He attributed God the, the awesomeness and the power that was rightfully his and his greatness. Um, and so another thing, um, that we see here that I think really led Abraham to be able to have this, this quality and the strength of faith. Um, you look at verse 21. Um, another thing that he knew about God was in being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able, or he was able also 
um, to perform. And I think that's, I think that's just really, really uh, very simple, but I think a very powerful point. He knew, and like we've kind of been touching around and talked about it, God speaks and God, what God speaks happens. Um, but I appreciate the way that, that Paul brings out here the fact that he was fully assured. This wasn't, yeah, sometimes God's done it. Uh, sometimes he hasn't really quite always been there. He was fully assured that if God said it, it was going to happen. And I think one of the things of understanding is that God only commands of us that which we are able of being able to complete and do and capable of doing with his power, with his help, and with his grace as well. And God only promises the things in that which he is able to fulfill. Abraham understood that. Abraham knew that, and he was assured, he was completely confident God was able to fulfill this. Uh, you think about what Jesus tells his disciples in relation to um, the rich young ruler, one of the, the, the points that he has, and he tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 19, uh, I think it's uh, verse 26, he tells them, you know, they're talking about, well, who is able to make it into heaven? Who's able to enter into heaven? Because Jesus just told them, you know, it's, it's really hard for a rich man to enter to heaven. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter heaven. And so his disciples are like marveling, they're like, wow, who's able to make it? Um, and he tells them, you know, with God, all things are possible. Um, and so I, I believe Abraham had that same faith. He had that same belief. And I think that's what uh, here in Romans 4, verse 21 is teaching us. He was fully assured. He was confident with all God. With God, all things truthfully were possible. Um, so, those, so, so those are just some of the points I wanted to pull out of the text. Um, but I want to just spend a couple moments um, thinking about those points and thinking about how, how does, what, what ways... Should reading a passage like this uh, lead us to change our life? Or maybe some things to hopefully um, to encourage you and consider about things uh, to think about your own faith, things to think about possibly to do within your, your life and your faith to build your faith, or just some really takeaways I have when I read this passage. It's one of my favorite passages. Um, so one of the big takeaways I have is just one of the big things is um, that God can bring life to my deadness or anyone else's deadness. Um, so we saw that in verse 17. We saw where Abraham understood that you know, God is able to bring life to the dead. And what that meant is that God's able to bring life to me. God's able to bring life to Sarah. That's what Abraham understood. He, he took that very, very personally. That God's able to help me with this. Um, and I think that's the same thing. When we believe God, and we um, actually look at the beginning of Romans chapter 4, and this is kind of what gets us to where, why Paul is bringing up um, um, Abraham here. We won't read the section here, but in Romans chapter 4, the beginning, looking at verse 5 through 9, um, when he's, he's talking about, in, in verse 3, faith being a created, uh, a righteousness being credited to Abraham, not because of works, but because of faith, he, he relates that to us in verse 5, like how does God accredit righteousness to us? And it's in the same way, verse 5 of, of Romans chapter 4, but to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Um, and so that's a comparison that, that, that Paul is, is trying to make here between Abraham's faith and ours. Abraham believed that life could be brought to his own deadness and Sarah's deadness. That's the same thing with us. God can justify me. And I think that, you know, that, that, that goes beyond just me, obviously. I think that goes also to others, that God can justify the ungodly. Uh, you, know, you think about the word ungodly means not like God. That's pretty much what it means. So he can bring someone who is his polar opposite and to make him just like him and make him to be his child. Uh, that seems pretty impossible to me. <laughs> and, and, and it is, truthfully, without God's grace, without God's help, and the faith of believing in him. So he can do the same thing to us. And so not only that, he can entirely reverse our situations around. If we're struggling in faith, we're unfaithful right now, God can justify us. If we'll just believe, he can do it. And we'll hold fast to it. Sometimes we can find ourselves in situations, circumstances, or thinking, you know, I'm too far gone. I've lived this, this way for far too long. There's, there's no way God could possibly help me here. Um, 
We see that's quite the opposite. That God is hoping that we'll believe he can justify us. God's hoping that, he can, that we believe he can bring life to us. That's, that's a point Paul makes later on in the book of Romans. If you look in, in chapter 8, and really quickly look at chapter 8, verse 11. Uh, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's a promise that God's making. God can entirely reverse our situation. He can completely flip around and change our lives if we'll just hold fast and we'll believe. We are not too far gone. While we have life and we have breath in our lungs and life in our bodies, we have the opportunity, we have the ability to repent and to be reunited with him. And so I think that's a takeaway. God can do... uh, The fact that God has promised to redeem those who are so far away from him means all we have to do is believe. Um, So another, another, another point here is... And I think this helps us to understand, you know, what, what really truthfully is faith is that faith, one of the things we can see of faith is faith is believing despite what the world around me may be trying to tell me or what even my circumstance around me is trying to tell me. Um, you think about, again, the situation, I keep going back to it, it's such a powerful point. You know, again, you know, Abraham, he's, he's old. How is he going to possibly have a child yet he still believes in God despite the difficulty that's there? And that's really where, the, you know, righteousness is attributed to him. Um, but let's relate that to us. Think about the world. Think about the influence of Satan that's around us sometimes. Um, sometimes the world and, and the influence of Satan will make it look like God's promises really, they're, they're, they're just not going to really happen. Or they're going to be really, really hard. Or, or it's, it's just really not going to be exactly what God's promised. There'll be you know, a shell of what he said was going to happen. Um, and sometimes it can be easy to see, oh, the situation around us. But I think also sometimes our own thinking can be that way. Sometimes I can be in a situation where there's, there's just absolutely no way God can, can help with this. It's just, we'll just you know, let the damage be done and then we'll move forward with it. Um, and that's, again, that, that's speaking to the point that's in verse 18. It gets a hope against hope Abraham believed. Uh, whatever his hope and his trust in God's promises surpassed his logic or even his way of thinking about things God's promises were greater than that and he believed in those um, turn to Mark chapter 4 um, we, won't, we won't read uh, this section here in Mark um, Mark chapter 4 um, Mark chapter 4. Yeah, so Mark chapter 4. We won't read this section here in verse 35 to verse 30, uh, 31. Verse 41. Um, but verse 35 to 41. But I just want to point out a couple of things. So this is where uh, Jesus gets up at verse 35. It's on the day evening comes. Um, and so he tells them, his, his disciples, he, Jesus has been teaching parables to the crowd that's here. So him and his disciples get up. They go in a boat. And they said, let's go over to the other side um, of the sea that's here. Um, so what happens is they get up, they leave the crowd, they're in the, the boat, and they're cr- going across the sea, and then a fierce storm breaks out. Uh, a fierce scale of wind, waves are crashing into the boat, the boat is already being filled up, and in verse 38, we see where Jesus is, at, he's asleep all this is happening, this, you know, this great chaos that is going on, and he's asleep in the stern of the boat. And so his disciples, you know, they're freaking out, they're flipping out, and they, they go and they rush, they wake him up, you're like, Lord, or teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Um, so Jesus gets up, uh, he rebukes the wind, and so the wind stops, the sea stills, he tells it to be quiet, and everything completely dies down immediately. And then he turns to his disciples and he tells them in verse 40, and asks them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then you can think, you know, uh, Jesus, that's kind of harsh, you know, Jesus, I mean, 
I mean, the boat was filling up. It seems to me that they were about to capsize, that they were about to, they were about to die. This was the end of them. Um, and that, you know, that's me speaking and, and you know, lack of faith. And that, that was them seeing that situation. Like, it seems like, well, this is, you know, we're going to die here, Jesus. We're about to die. Um, but the amazing thing, why he tells them, do you not have any faith? You think all the way back to verse 35 and what Jesus said when he tells them, let us go over to the other side. It's the same thing with God. When Jesus said, let us go to, over to the other side, what did that mean? I mean, they were going to get to the other side. That didn't mean if there was a storm in the middle of the sea while that happened. It didn't mean if their boat uh, broke into two pieces uh, while they're going across. It didn't mean if, I don't know, if a giant sea monster came up and was trying to attack them. It doesn't mean whatever would have happened. Jesus said they were making it to the other side. So what was the disciples' job? Well, we're going to make it to the other side. It doesn't matter what happens in the middle. We make it to the other side. Um, that's what true faith is. When it looks like God's promises, when it looks like what God said, when it looks like what Jesus said just is not going to happen, there's no way it can happen, Again, who's, who was the one who said this was going to happen? Who, who spoke? You know, it was Jesus. It was God. And so Abraham understood that. And I think that's the same thing about us and our faith. And I feel like that's just one of the big keys and big just things to get over and understand with our faith is understanding that that's what true faith is. Holding fast to God's promises from the very beginning, the very inception, when we come out of the water and we are baptized, we are now children of God, all the way till that day when Jesus, when he is instituting... Um, the Lord's Supper, and he talks about uh, drinking the wine, drinking the grape juice with them, and telling him he won't drink it with them again or be with them again until he, till he, they're all fully together in the kingdom, physically being there. We hold fast to those promises all the way till then, till the end, till we see him come back. Um, that's, that's what true faith really is. Um, and so the last point, the last point of application I have here this morning um, is one of the things is, hopefully while we notice, if you want to flip back to Romans chapter 4, if you're not already there, um, hopefully one of the things you noticed as we were reading Romans chapter 4, as we were just pointing things out and thinking about things this morning, uh, was it seemed like Abraham knew a lot of things about God. And he knew a lot of really important, really intimate details of God. And so honestly, the last point here this morning is that we need to always be learning more about our God and more about our Father. Or if he's not your Father yet, more, learning more about how to become his child for him to be your Father. Um, Abraham acted in faith because he knew things about God. He, just not know, he didn't know general things like, oh, God resides in heaven, God made everything. You know, God's, well, at least for us now, you know, God's, you know, the Father of Jesus, you know, he creates everything. He knew very important things about God, very intimate details about God that it would take someone trying to actually discover those things, really someone who's tried to learn who God is to know those things about him. He gives life to the dead. He calls into being th- those things which don't exist. God, when he speaks and he promises something, he is able to completely fulfill it. Uh, those are very important, intimate things. And, and Abraham knew about those things because he had spent time, I don't know how, but he had spent time learning things about God. Spent time walking with God. And I think that's an example for us. If we want to have faith, and we see, we see that um, later on in the book of Romans, Romans you know, chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to get to know God. That's really where faith is coming from. I think it's also what that passage in Romans 10, 17 is letting us know. We've got to know who God is if we're going to believe in him. We have to understand what does he do, what does he promise, who is he? Uh, you can't claim to have faith in God and you don't know him at all. That's kind of the point that Paul makes in that passage there. It's like, how are you able to know Jesus if nobody's told you about Jesus? You can't just get up and say that. You have to learn. You have to take the time. Abraham took that time. And I think the amazing thing is Abraham was able to know these really important, these really intimate things, these intimate details about God. Um, and, you know, the word wasn't confirmed at all. He's, he's in the very beginning of things. Uh, at least when we think about timeline, kind of in the middle. But um, he didn't have the word confirmed to us the same way we have the word confirmed to us. And there's so many passages, so many uh, just solid reminders that we have within the New Testament about just 
really honestly how good we have it. How good we have it to have the will of God completely, fully declared to us. You think about 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Uh, you know, with unveiled face, we can look into these things. You think about Moses, wanted to see, and wanted to see God and wanted to know God, but with unveiled face, face that we can know who God is. You think about you know, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. We've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness. We have everything that is necessary for us to receive eternal life given over to us. You think about Ephesians chapter 1, all spiritual blessings and the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've received those things if indeed we're also with Christ Jesus. And so when we see these passages, we understand Abraham having faith there, but how much more we have declared and confirmed for us compared to Abraham, what that should do what that honestly should do is inspire just joyous Bible study and wanting to know more about these things, really wanting to capitalize, really wanting to take advantage of this blessing that we have. Abraham didn't have those things, yet we have those things now. We can have a faith just like his with great assistance from God. Um, and so just seeing that and understanding, knowing all that we have should really just inspire joyous Bible study. Um, so honestly, that's it that I have this morning. Um, hopefully... Uh, that's been encouraging, those points and things that we've noticed here in chapter 4. Hopefully the applications uh, were helpful. Um, I mean, God's Word is just so awesome and so amazing. It doesn't matter what passage you read to be inspired by these things, but I think Romans 4 is such a, a solid and such a great foundation to build our faith off of, to see just the intimate character, the intimate details of the character of Abraham and see what true faith looks like at a very close-up in examining his life. Um, so I appreciate, I appreciate this passage, and hopefully it's been encouraging to you. Uh, there's one more thing I'd like to read this morning just as a, as a point of conclusion. Uh, let's, let's reread the end of um, Romans chapter 4, starting verse 22, and, and we'll close out there. Um, Therefore it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited, as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Um, so the conclusion here this morning is we inherit that same righteousness. We have that same quality of faith now and today. If we believe in this God who has raised Jesus from the dead to give us life eternal and life everlasting, that's how we can choose to walk in the steps of Abraham is believing in the fulfillment and the conclusion of God's will, us receiving eternal life and walking with him forever. Um, so that's the lesson here this morning. Hopefully it's been an encouragement. Um, the opportunity arises uh, at this time for the invitation. For those who are just in need of prayer and encouragement of the group here, I know there are so many brothers and so many sisters here who would be willing to make the sacrifices of time to spend time with you, to help you, to pray for you. I know the group here as a whole would love to pray for you. Uh, but the opportunity also arises for those who have not been saved yet but are considering that. Uh, I, I would appeal to you. I think Romans 4, in, in a way, would appeal to you as well to have this faith and this hope and this God in whom we serve, who has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and that he can bring life as well through his spirit to your mortal body, if you would just believe. If there's anyone subject to the call this morning, we would invite you, we would beg you and implore you to answer that and come forward this morning.